You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the Testudo Times Maryland Men's Basketball Season Preview Podcast. I'm Matt Levine with my co-host Lila Bromberg, and we're joined today by Terrapin legend Walt Williams. Walt, thank you so much for joining us today. How How are you doing? My pleasure, man. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. Thank you. All right. Yeah, we're really glad to have you on. It's good to see you. Uh, I guess we kind of have to start off, you know, big news with Jalen Smith getting drafted 10th overall. I guess just first off, uh, what were your reactions watching the draft? Oh, man, that was, uh, I was so happy for him. Um, I think that when you talk about the Phoenix Suns in a position where you have a, a guy like Monty Williams as a, as a coach, um, just such a great coach, um, a great person. Um, playing against him in high school growing up and, and around the area, he's always been a hell of a basketball player, but not only that, uh, just a great person. And he's always been that as a young kid. And um, so I think that'll be great that um, uh, uh, Jalen will get some tutelage from from a guy like Monty and, and, and his coaching staff. But also just being able to play um, – in a pick and roll style of play with a, a point guard um, like Chris Paul, you know, just a veteran, that leadership, um, understanding, just making the right plays. And so I think when you play with a point guard who make the right plays and not so um, scoring oriented, it, it increases your knowledge of the game. It, it, it takes you to another level uh, of finding out where the angles are, where you're supposed to be in order to receive the ball and, and those type of things. He's going to learn that at a very high level. I think that their style of play, the up-tempo style of play um, that they have with, um, you know, like like I said, CP and then Booker, uh, those type of guys, um, I, I think he's going to be able to get trail threes and, and open looks because those guys are going to uh, uh, have a lot of attention drawn on them. So I just think all the, all the way around, just playing for a team that's going to do a lot of pick and roll, but also be an up-tempo team, I think that's um, going to highlight uh, the best parts of his game. Yeah, but I, mean, I think the biggest impact he'll make is uh, defensively, you know, mm-hmm. just being able to uh, uh, guard guys and move laterally and, and, and switching and pick and roll on a defensive end. And then uh, he's a guy who can block – you know, he got long wingspan, so he's going to be able to uh, uh, cause problems with, for guys going to the basket at times. So, you know, he, he's going to be able to impact the game many different ways. Yeah, I definitely think it's – I wrote about this other day kind of with some things you mentioned of it just being a great situation, especially having a guy like, you know, Chris Paul, who's such a good passer and can get him, you know, the ball easily in the paint. And then, you know, having DeAndre Ayton so he can play at four. And, you know, they have a real lack of depth at the forward position right now. So I think that puts him in a really good situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, Walt, take it back to your draft night. You go seventh overall, you know, just – what do you think Jalen was thinking when he gets picked this high? And what were you thinking that night when you got picked that high? Um, it, it's it's nerve wracking to, I know for me to be able to, when we, we flew, flew to my, my draft was in Portland, Oregon. It was in New York every year before and after, but my particular year was in, in Portland, Oregon for some reason. But uh, <laughs> uh, it was, it was a little nerve wracking flying out there and, and just thinking to yourself, are you going to be the only, the, the, the guy that's going to be the last one, you know, in, in the, uh, uh, at the table waiting for a team to call you. So that, that was always a thought. And, and just, um, you know, you don't feel that sense of relief until your name is called. So it, it was just, it, it was a nervous feeling, um, understanding that in, in a, a day or so or a couple of hours or what have you, your, your, your dreams are going to come true. Um, for me, what helped me a lot uh, on the day of was um, that morning, uh, the, the Sixers had get, given me a call and they were the ninth pick. And so they told me that, you know, they would pick me at nine if I was still around. So that, that made me feel more confident. But, you know, you still just never know. You just want to hear your name called. So, I mean, uh, and it was it was sort of, it was bittersweet for me on that night. My, my dad had been... Um, uh, diagnosed with, with cancer and he was dying actually 
And so, uh, you know, just being able to live out my dreams, but also knowing that my dad couldn't be there with me because of the, uh, the things he was going through. Um, so it, it was a it was a bittersweet moment for me. Yeah, I remember you told me that. I'm, you know, sorry to hear. I know that's got to be tough. And um, yeah. I'm sure it was very weird this year, too, just having it, you know, virtually. Yeah, I, I would I would guess that that would be weird to, to have it virtually, man, you know, but um, the flip side of that is that now um, you, you, you have your, your family members. See, I know for me, it was uh, my little niece, uh, Shanae Williams, and my, my sister, Stephanie, and my mother. And, uh, you know, if it had been in my home, it would have been a lot, a lot more family there. So I think that it's a, it's a give and take. Of course, you don't get to experience the actually being there and walking across the stage and, and, that, and that type of stuff. But um, you get to enjoy the, um, one of the best moments of your life with, with your family members. And uh, so I would, I would guess that that's a, that was a great feeling as well. So now we'll get into a little uh, recap of last year just quickly. Uh, 2019-20 Maryland men's basketball team comes out on top in the last regular season game, winning the Big Ten title for the first time ever. Um, rolling into what would have been the Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament, probably would have been at least a five seed in the NCAA tournament, but everything got shut down. Um, what did you guys? How far did you guys think that this team could have gone last year with Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith leading it? Um, I, I think this team was championship caliber. Um, when you talk about uh, a, a team that had the depth that, uh, that they had, especially at the guard position, and, and when, you, when you talk about tournament time, that's what the, the game is kind of tailored to. I think the depth that they had on both ends, guards that could score but also defend. Um, I think the biggest thing was the, for, for Cowan not getting that opportunity I think early on in the season, he, he focused in on scoring a little more. But later, uh, towards the middle and latter part of the season, you started to see him uh, be more of a facilitator along with scoring in opportune moment, moments. And I think that's the type of mindset he needed to be in in order to have the opportunity at the next level. And so the tournament uh, would have been another opportunity to, to showcase uh, that part of his game against some, some high-powered uh, caliber uh, teams. And so that opportunity was missed. But I, I think they certainly had an opportunity to win the, the, the win it all because – of the uh, a combination of being able to be an up-tempo team with the depth that they had, but also in a half-court situation, having Anthony Cowan from the outside in a pick-and-roll situation. And then you have that uh, combined with Jalen Smith being able to, to be a go-to guy, throwing it to him around the basket, but also uh, pick-and-roll situations. He had started to uh, shoot the ball at a very, very high rate um, uh, towards the end of the season as well. And so you saw his game pick up on, on the offensive. Well, of course, defensively, uh, just being a rim protector and, and the versatility of being able to slide his feet and stay in front of uh, smaller guys and pick and roll situations. That was certainly there consistent all year. But the way he was shooting the ball from the outside was, it was going to another level. And so it had been interesting to see uh, what, what could have happened in a, in, a, in a tournament situation with, with everybody uh, hitting on all cylinders like it seemed it was, was happening for him at the end. Yeah, I mean, he was shooting over 40% from, from deep, which is extremely rare for a guy his size. And you mentioned the defense. I mean, you have him at the defensive end. Aaron Wiggins had reached a new level defensively last year. You obviously have Darren Morsell. Um, I certainly thought that I would be covering at least the final four that year. So yeah, I know yeah. it was really bittersweet for the team, especially, you know, for Jalen and Ann, it being their last year. Um, you know, I know just it was tough for me, so I can't even imagine how tough that's got to be for all of them. But, yeah, I definitely think they, they would have gone really far. Um, and it's kind of a shame to have that opportunity uh, with having that team kind of taken away now that they've lost uh, Anthony and Jalen. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's unfortunate. You, you mentioned some guys, Daryl Morsell and, and Wiggins. I mean, those guys were playing lights out as well. Um, Daryl Morsell, the way he, he played on the defensive end, but also – uh, how aggressive he was on the, on the offensive end, getting to the basket and and, and just making plays, uh, distributing the ball. I mean, he went to another level. I think Wiggins did as well uh, in his freshman year. He showed uh, how he could shoot the ball from the outside. But in the sophomore year, 
uh, he expanded on that, being able to t- take guys off the dribble and create his own shot, dunking on guys, you know, strong finishes. So uh, it was, it, was, it, uh, it would have been interesting to see how that all fit together uh, come tournament time. Um, the team has so much versatility, so many different lineups you could have uh, put out there. And, uh, man, I, I just really thought that they had a real chance. I agree with what you guys have both said, um, just how well the top guys were playing and how much depth they really did have on the bench as well, just calling on guys to come in and play. And I think that's also important. Uh, come tournament time but they went out on top in a sense still winning that regular season title in the last game Uh, I hope that gives them a little bit of cushion to go out knowing they were champions but there's got to be some thought in especially Cowan's mind that he didn't get a shot in the NCAA tournament when he probably knows they he could have took that team very far so you have to feel for those guys but knowing that they went out on top is also uh, important for them. Yeah, I think it, it does a, a world of good for your psyche just to know that uh, a, a Big Ten champion, I mean, especially the, the caliber of conference that the Big Ten is. But, you know, when they're coming into the next year, that's it's over. It's, it's done. Uh, it's a, a new start. You don't have the same players. You don't have the catalyst, the guys who led you to those moments. So uh, it's a new frame of mind. And, and guys like Wiggins and Marcel, uh, they got to look at themselves in a different way and take on more of a a, a bigger role in in um, um, the psyche of the team and and uh, you know like a guy like Wiggins, you think you would think that he's a guy who's going to be relied on a lot more offensively. Um, you establish those things in practices, not only letting your coach know that hey, uh, I'm the guy, I'm a guy you can count on, but also letting your teammates know. I know for myself, every day in practice. I was trying to show everyone, show everyone that I was a guy that they can count on. And so Wiggins got to take on that approach now to be able to give those guys that confidence that in, in crucial moments that, that he's a guy that can get them uh, a great shots. Yeah, and, and you mentioned new players, and I think that's such a huge storyline this season is, you know, losing Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith, and then you have three guys going to the transfer portal, Lindo Jr., Joshua uh, Tomayich and Sorrell Smith Jr. And, you know, you bring in so many new players on this team with, you know, having the two freshmen, bringing in the transfers and, you know, Jairus Hamilton and Galen Smith. Uh, I, I still find it hilarious how similar a name he has to Jalen Smith and he's <laughs> playing that position down low. But I guess what are, what are you guys' thoughts on just like how this team is going to adjust just having such a new makeup? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about those guys, Tamaj, uh, Sorrell, and, and Lindo, the guy that I, I think about is, is Ricky Lindo. Um, I, I thought that he was a guy that, that could have made a, a big impact for this team, the way he hustles, get to loose balls, create extra possessions. You know, I just thought he needed a little bit more time to, to play out there and get into the floor of the game. But unfortunately, that didn't happen for him. But you bring in a guy like Jarius Hamilton, um, I had the uh, pleasure of being able to see him play. He plays with my he played with my son last year up in Boston College, so I had an opportunity to see him play on many occasions. He's a strong guy, a guy who can stretch the floor. He's going to be able to shoot the ball, um, um, and so he's going to be a guy who's who's physical. Uh, he's going to be able to guard uh, a different player, so he's going to be versatile on both ends of the floor uh, because of his size. And so it's going to be interesting to see what type of impact that he has. But I know the Turks are going to be counting on him to, to uh, be an immediate part to their success on both ends of the floor. So um, I, th- I think that's where they, this, this Turk team is going to be able to make their hay is on the defensive end. When you're talking about uh, the versatile players, Dante and, and Jarius at the, at the four position, um, those are guys who are really wing guys, but they have the strength to be able to um, defend uh, uh, power forwards. So I, I think the versatility that they're, they're going to have on the defensive end should be able to take them to the next level. You look at a guy like Cho at his his height, um, you're hoping that he can be a guy that protect the basket, similar to the way Jalen Smith did. And so if if he if he can create that um, mindset for his teammates, uh, what he's going to do is um, make them be more aggressive on the perimeter 
uh, to be able to defend and, and force guys to uh, make moves that they don't want to. I, I once again remember back in my day having a guy like uh, Cedric Lewis um, uh, defending the basket. I mean, that was a huge reason into why I had so many steals uh, um, in, in my time frame because I knew that hey, if I miss this, if I miss the steal, my guy goes to the basket. Cedric's just going to turn it into a fast break for us on the other end. So uh, that that type of mindset, you know, as players, you got to establish that or you got to install that. And like I said, not only your your coaches, but your teammates. And, and so they have the confidence in doing different things out there on the court. And, you know, like Walt said, I think Ricky Lindo transferring, I think he would have gotten a lot of time this season uh, with Jalen going to the draft and, just the lack of height that this team had with the Mitchell twins leaving as well. So I, I would have thought Lindo would have gotten a lot of time development this season, but decided to go even closer to home to GW and DC. Uh, but I think Turgeon did a good job of sort of replacing him at least with height, um, getting Jerry's Hamilton at six, eight and Galen Smith at six, nine, two forwards that played in tough conferences. And I think Hamilton averaging nearly 10 points per game and, four rebounds per game in the ACC uh, at Boston College, that shows he can compete in a conference like this. Um, using that strength, as Walt said, same with Dante Scott. So I'm looking at Hamilton as a guy that can come in and make an immediate impact. Um, and they just found out a couple of weeks ago that he's immediately eligible as well. So I think that's really the, the key factor for them is sort of replacing that height that they are losing and getting that strength and talent from a really good conference in the ACC. Yeah, everyone was raving about him um, at media day, and they seem really, really high on him. I mean, what else would you say just about his skill set while, you know, having watched him play with your son? Um, he's a guy that can shoot the ball from the outside pretty good. Uh, he, 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 he is, he's a versatile uh, offensive player. He can score uh, going to the basket as well, but uh, he, he likes to play on the perimeter for the most part. And so he's going to be able to stretch the floor. Um, he can shoot at a pretty high percentage from outside. But more importantly, he has the physicality, the size to be able to uh, defend big guys and, and rebound the ball. So that's what I'm going to be looking for to see if, if he can rebound the ball at a, at a higher level and also just staying healthy. Um, just, just suffered a lot of different knick-knack injuries uh, during the course of last season. So want to see him be more consistent and staying uh, um, uh, healthy and being able to consistently contribute. Right, and another guy that, I mean, you had mentioned and kind of that the health and injury really plays into it is Chol Mariel. You know, you got to feel for a guy like that who, you know, was injured uh, throughout a lot of his high school career and kind of was dealing with that last year, seemed like he was getting back in a rhythm, but you know, just recovering from something like that takes time. And I think that's kind of really an X factor for this team because when you have a guy who's 7'2", with the wingspan he does and ability to kind of be that unicorn player that can shoot it from deep. And um, I think he could really be a big impact uh, for this team. Yeah, when you talk about a guy that his size with the long legs and you start having leg and foot injuries, you definitely have to take your time with, with uh, a guy with, that had that type of size and bringing him along uh, a little bit slowly. Um, you know, guys that size are, are not used to moving around like you have to on a basketball court. He's shown that he's very fluent in his movement. So it's important that he's healthy when he gets out there because his movement is a part of, of what makes him who he is. And so, so it's very important that uh, he's healthy, his legs are healthy uh, coming into this season. And I think he's also another X factor for them. If he's able to produce the way he was before all these injuries um, and get back to how healthy he was then, he can really be a player that Maryland needs and relies on, uh, especially yeah, I, with Jalen leaving. I, I think that uh, offensively, if he can bring things to the table consistently with his size around the basket, that would be great. For me, that would be cherry on top of the Sunday. The biggest thing I'm looking for is for him to defend the rim and make it difficult with guys, you know, 7'1", guy, 7'2", however tall he is um, around the basket with the type of lift he has. It should be problems for guys getting to the basket. And when you can defend like that, that, that gets the team out on a break and gets you into a fast break situation a lot more. So I think that uh, when, you, when you look at the makeup, you don't have 
all of these different guys you can point to to say, okay, this is the guy that's going to generate offense for us. So I think a, a lot of the offense needs to be generated from the defensive end, and that's going to be about um, how well Cho defends the basket. If he can defend the basket well, you're going to see guys like Marcel Wiggins. It's going to be a domino effect. The way they defend is going to go to another level. And, and I think it's interesting the options they do have down low because, you know, you two very different options. You have, you know, Chol who has that shooting ability and, you know, is a bit skinnier. Um, and then you have a guy like Galen Smith that they're bringing in. Um, you know, I, didn't, I know he didn't play a lot of minutes um, or, you know, high, have that high of averages at uh, Alabama, but the guys seem high on him. And especially one thing that they all were talking about was his ball screen ability. And, you know, being a – kind of bigger body guy, um, you know, being 6'9", 240, um, and not really a guy that can shoot well, but that really plays well back to the basket and things like that. You have two very different options at that five that you can, you know, maybe use depending on the situation. Well, I think that what, what Gaden Smith is going to be able to do is, is just bring that, the, the, that mentality of being physical out there. Once again, he's not a guy I'm looking to, towards to be somebody who uh, you rely on offensively. Um, he's a guy that's, that should be able to, well, when the guards get into the paint, uh, y'all are creating and, and, and finding him around the basket, being able to finish, but not necessarily the guy you go to. Uh, uh, to look to score. The, the, thing, the thing he's going to do for the team is be able to be physical on the defensive end and make it tough uh, for others to score. And once again, um, I, I think that – and rebounding the ball, finish off for that defensive possession with rebounding the ball. I think that if he can do that, he elevates the team to another level to be able to score. So you don't necessarily have to be the person scoring out there as long as you are part of the, the unison that – that brings the, those five guys together to elevate them to another level on the offensive end. So his contribution, to, in, in my sense, is going to be what he does on the defensive end. And, and, and consequently, what's going to happen is the team is going to be in transition a lot more to create uh, 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 offensive opportunities that way. Yeah, and we'll get into kind of, uh, you know, who we think are going to be the biggest guys for this team in a little bit. But, I mean, you can't talk about the season without talking about how competitive uh, this Big Ten is this year. You've got Iowa at number five, Wisconsin at seven, Illinois at eight, Michigan State at number 13, and then you've um, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Michigan at 23, 24, and 25. I mean, just what do you guys think about how um, kind of stiff – uh, competition and talent is this year in the conference? Well, I think the new makeup of the Big Ten, when you talk about these teams, uh, ever since uh, Big Ten has, has gone to a new level, um, I think they, they, uh, they've consistently had uh, teams in the, in the uh, top 25, you know, about four or five teams. They, they've done that consistently. So it's not a surprise that it's happening again. Um, you're talking about some, some great coaches and, and um, not only is that a, a part of uh, X's and O's, but recruiting. You know, players want to play for great coaches. So you have some great coaching in the Big Ten, and, and, and so it will lead to th you to think that you can be able to consistently uh, get the players that uh, want uh, the rankings that they have going on. So uh, it's not a surprise to me. Um, they've been consistently doing it for the past few years. And when you just look at the talent across the board, obviously half the teams in the conference are in the top 25, but it's headlined by Iowa's Luca Garza, obviously a preseason favorite to win national player of the year and big 10 player of the year. And just how impressive he was last year coming back. He tested the waters a little bit, but came back to school. And then Illinois also returning their two best players in Iowa DeSomu and Kofi Coburn uh, and Wisconsin's returning all five starters. So just the way that, the top teams are returning talent is so important for them to make a run this year. And I thought Iowa had a chance to make a run last year the way Maryland did, but this is their real shot now. If the tournament is able to happen, uh, I think Luca Garza could end up going out on top potentially. There's a lot of national favorites or a lot of teams that could win in the NCAA tournament here in the Big Ten. So it's going to be a tough conference schedule for Maryland this year, uh, especially with out. Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith. Yeah, Luke, and you talk about a guy like Luke who his body resembles uh, the traditional big man back to the basket in that day. 
and the game is not played that way anymore. So you would think that this is a guy who could possibly be in a situation where he's in trouble at the next level, but he's expanded his game. He's a guy who can shoot the ball from the outside. Um, he's very good around the basket. I had the pleasure of being able to see him at, in high school in Murray under uh, Coach Chuck Giselle, uh, a uh, lefty son, the great lefty Giselle's son. And so uh, my, my son played against uh, Luke Luca in uh, high school. So I got the opportunity to be able to see him uh, uh, on, a, on a consistent basis. And uh, man, it's, a, it's great to see him uh, going to this level right here and being a, the, one of the most dominant players in, in the Big Ten. Uh, in this upcoming season, and so I look forward to, uh, just like you say, I think Iowa has a has a lot of talent there, and with with Luca leading things, and so that's a team that's very dangerous. Certainly, a championship caliber uh, a team right now when you look at the makeup. Yeah, I mean, I actually got to see him a lot in high school too. Um, you know, I used to take photos just around. DC sports in high school and it's really interesting to just see how his game and body has evolved as well and um, you know you don't see a lot of guys coming out of a school like Murray so I think uh, you know that's really cool to see especially for me as someone who didn't come from you know a big conference uh, in DC. Yeah you know that the MAC conference has gone to another level I mean uh, yeah you, you see some great players I mean this year you look at a guy like uh, Benny Williams that's, that's heading to uh, Syracuse and I mean uh you look at a guy like uh, uh, Sadiq, who just got drafted, that mm-hmm. went to Villanova. Um, you know, he's from that conference, Sidwell, and, and uh, you know, Josh Hart uh, from Sidwell as well. I mean, so th- that, that conference has, has gone to another level. It's not just, uh, you know, the, 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 the Mathers and, and mm-hmm. those type of teams in this area. I mean, it's, the talent is everywhere now. So uh, it's, it's great to be able to see how broad it is and, and how spread out it is and, and seeing these guys uh, get to the highest level in basketball. Who, who else do you see as kind of those top players in the Big Ten right now? Oh, man, I, it's, 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 it's tough. I, I don't, to me, I don't look at the individuals so much. I look at the, the, the team and the coaching staff. And, and you know that Michigan State, uh, they're going to always be someone that's tough to, tough to deal with, along with Ohio. The coaching staff, they consistently uh, have top, top-notch players there. So um, even though Iowa is, is leading the pack right now, I, I think Michigan State is always a dangerous team, always a team to reckon with. And at the end of the season, they're, they're going to be a team that, that you, you're talking about, uh, one of the top teams in the Big Ten. So I think right now, uh, you, you you might lean towards Iowa, but as the season go along, I would pay attention to Michigan State and in, in, in Ohio a little bit more. How do you see kind of Maryland faring um, against those top teams? Like just having such a new team um, and kind of being someone who's looked at as an underdog in the conference now, what do you think is the biggest key to them kind of going in and staying competitive in this conference? Well, you know me. I'm not a homer. I'm gonna just keep it real with you. You know, I think that um, you're gonna have you're gonna have to have big impacts from from guys uh, that that you don't know. You know, if they if they're that caliber of player that hasn't proven that part of the game yet, and so you're gonna have to see every guy go to another level. Ayala, uh, Marcel, Wiggins. You're gonna have to see guys like Jarius and Gavin Smith. Those guys are gonna have to make immediate impact. And, and at a high level, um, I, I don't think you can count on one guy, uh, one or two guys to uh, substitute what Cowan and Jalen Smith uh, brought to the table. I think it's going to be collectively the whole team needs to raise their level of play. And uh, so it's going to be interesting because you're going to be asking virtually everyone to do something that they've never done before at this level. So everybody has to go to another level. Um, you have new guys, new pieces that's coming into the team that you're going to ask to, to make an immediate impact and, and a big impact. So um, it's a lot of questions to be answered before you can have the confidence in saying, oh, this Turp team is, is going to be one of the teams that, that battles at, towards the end of the season as well. So it's some unproven factors that's that's there in, in, in quite a bit of them. So uh, those things are going to have to be answered early on. Right now, when you look at it from the beginning, you tend to think that this Turp team is going to have a little bit of uh, some struggles, especially with the uh, the caliber of players and the, the, the level of, the, of these teams in the Big Ten. You just mentioned it earlier, like five or six teams in the top 25. 
So when you add that factor in the the the, the talent of the opposition, um, and, and of unproven uh, questions that you have to answer, uh, you think early on that it could be tough for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how well can Wiggins, um, how consistent can he be? Um, what level can Morsell get to? Uh, uh, how, how much of an impact is Ayala going to make now? You know, is he going to be able to raise the level of the, of the players around him? Those type of things. So um, those things are going to have to be answered early on. And there's just a lot of guys on Maryland's roster this year. There's eight new guys, uh, newcomers. Uh, aside from the top four really most talented players on the team, the rest, you really have no idea what they're going to come and bring. And you talk about the importance of the new guys stepping up, but how do you build team chemistry like that in such a truncated offseason when they had to get shut down and then they come back and just have not as long as of a time that they would to prepare for the new season? Um, and how do you build that new chemistry with eight new guys on the team? Man, it's tough because how you do that is doing your, your practices and the training time before the season and, and, and the consistent playing. And when you have that many guys, you got to play a, a more, you got to play more five on five basketball, but also you got to find that fine line because it's new guys into the system. They have to learn the system, but more importantly, they have to learn how to gel together. And so um, I think that sometimes you can kind of simplify things for them early on and making sure the team is gelling. I think that becomes more important because basketball is a fluent game. Uh, it's not all, all of the time the X's and O's of it. It's about uh, just putting the players, uh, recognizing the, the, the talent that you have and putting them in the best position uh, uh, to be successful. And, and oftentimes that's just about the flow of the game and not necessarily the execution of a play that you're running. And so I think that uh, early on, they might have to simplify things a little bit more so that they can get more five on five time with the guys to get that flow and just try to figure out what guys play together uh, well. How can we maximize our lineups with who's going to start and then who can come off the bench to, to complement things. And so those are difficult things to figure out uh, because, you know, day-to-day -day things change in, in practice. So you got to kind of form that consistency over time and time, unfortunately, is not what they've had. And so uh, I would imagine it's, it's a little bit more difficult to figure out and you'll probably see early on in the season that taking place, just trying to figure out what's the best lineups, uh, not necessarily who's the best players, but who are the best uh, five that play well together, who can come off the bench and complement things and, and those type of things. I think you're going to have, they're going to have to, uh, they're still going to be trying to figure that out uh, during the early parts of the season. Right. And, and not just having the, the training camp, but you know, with the pandemic, you, they don't have any time to work with Kyle Tarp. And, you know, then you kind of deal with situations of some guys having more access to, you know, gyms and other stuff. Um, so I feel like you're maybe starting practice. A lot of that is kind of initially kind of getting back in the shape and those sorts of things. Just how, you know, being someone who, who's been through is how big of an impact does it have when you don't get that time with a strength and conditioning coach over the summer? Well, the, the biggest thing about Kyle is just, man, the way he changes dudes' bodies. I mean, it's phenomenal to, to see a kid who comes into the universe, comes to the university, and within virtually a few short months, the, just the body frame changes. I mean, a perfect example of that, of that is Jalen Smith. I mean, my goodness, we called him Sticks when he first came. <laughs> when you look at him, that dude was, I mean, he, his shoulders was out here, like almost like Dwight Howard or something, you know? And so, um, you know, that's just a credit to what Cal does in, in the weight room. But the conditioning part of things, I think that um, if these guys on your own, you could do those things, running and, and making sure that you stay in shape. Um, um, being in a program, you understand the different drills that they do. And, and then you, try, you, mem you remember those things and, and try to mimic that on your own and try to be in some semblance of shape. Uh, when, 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 when season time comes, uh, what was fortunate for, for uh, uh, Maryland is just knowing ahead of time that it was going to be a season. And so it, gave, it, it could have gave uh, uh, guys the opportunity to understand that, okay, we might, have, might not have a lot of practice time together, but before we get to that, um, we can do some individual work to get ourselves in shape. And so hopefully that was taking place, but you're definitely going to be hurt by – 
uh, not being able to get that 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 uh um, that work in with the trainer. And the big thing about being in shape and, and the strength and conditioning is just it helps you stay healthy, helps you uh, uh, stay away from injury. And so uh, that's that's the thing that I'm I, I would be concerned about is is guys strong enough are they in good enough shape to avoid injuries. I mean, just what you, is there anything kind of that you've heard so far, just, you know, from practice uh, about this team or how it's kind of looking so far? Uh, no, not, not, not much. Uh, for me, uh, I like to go into the season fresh and new. I don't, I don't <laughs> try to get the, oh, this is what's going to happen. You know, this is the makeup of the team or whatever. Um, because um, a lot of times you can get one sense of how things are going um, early on. These are practices. You know, so it's, it, when, when game time comes, it's a little bit different. And so then you kind of see how things work out for real when it's game time. And so I like to reserve my how I see things to, to when it's game time rather than beforehand, because I think you just get a false sense of knowledge um, when, you, when you're looking at things from that perspective. So uh, you'll be surprised. I played with guys who were phenomenal in practice. Then when game time comes, not even close to that, and vice versa. Guys are, are not so good in practices, but then when those lights are, come on, uh, you know, they're ready to go and, and play at a whole different level. So um, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, it's a lot of unproven pieces, so it's going to be interesting to see which guys uh, step out of the shadows. Right. You mentioned the unproven pieces, but it seems kind of, you know, it's clear that a lot of those top guys, I mean, you know, Aaron Wiggins, Daryl Morsell, Eric Ayala, um, who do you think is kind of going to be able to take the biggest jump this season? I think Wiggins. I think that he's a guy who's shown in the past that he's a guy that you can rely on on the offensive end. I think the team as a whole, they're going to be a good defensive team, of course, led by Morsell on that end of the court, but I think uh, offensively, I, I think Wiggins is the guy who I'm looking towards to, uh, not throughout the game necessarily, just have to uh, take over throughout the game, but in, in crucial moments when they need that bucket, I, it, it seems like he would be the guy that they look towards to be able to create an easy opportunity for the team. So I'm looking for him to go to an, another level. Uh, like I said, this past season, he showed that uh, he can play off the dribble. He can create his own shots. And so I want to see him be a little bit more consistent shooting the ball from the outside like he was in his freshman year. So combining those two, being more consistent from the outside, but then also uh, bringing that off the dribble game to the, uh, to the table. Um, I'm looking for it all to come together this year right here. And if, I, if, he, if it does, I think that he's a guy that's going to be hard to guard for sure. And just going off that, I think Wiggins will take the biggest jump, potentially have a chance to get picked next year. Uh, but as for consistency, I'm looking at Daryl Morsell. He's averaged around eight and a half points every year of his career so far and heading in now as the biggest leader he has to be as a player uh, on the defensive side specifically. There were so many games last year that he would make big plays and just shut down the opposing team's guard, uh, especially against Marquette in that Thanksgiving tournament with Marcus Howard, the nation's leading scorer last year. Morsell shut him down. Cowan hit the big shots and they were able to win that game. So just they, I think they roll. They will roll. Their offense will roll off of Morsell's defense and how he's able to spark that. Um, and going into this year, where there's there's so many good players in the conference returning, I think that he's going to have to take the biggest, uh, not the biggest jump, but the, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to be a consistent defender and consistent scorer again. Yeah, he's definitely the heart and soul of the team, and the team as a whole is going to have to take on more of his mentality on a, on a consistent basis in order to, to go to another level, a level. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just special to see a guy like Daryl. You know, that's a guy we both came in as freshmen together. You know, I've covered him throughout his career, and it's going to be excited for him to go through his senior season. And, you know, you guys mentioned Wiggins with the consistency, and I think that really is the biggest thing for him. Um, I agree with Matt. I think just with his body um, and his size and the athleticism he's shown, I think he does have a chance of that next level if he can put it all together. And, you know, you guys are talking about his offense, but his defense took such a big leap last year with steals. And also I remember he had just like some LeBron style chase down blocks and just was such a fun guy to watch. Um, 
But looking at another player, I think another player you want to see more consistency from is Eric Ayala. He kind of went through periods last year where um, he was, you know, struggling or then he was really good behind the arc. And I think he and Wiggins are kind of along that same line where when they were able to get both of them playing well in the same game, like this team was unstoppable. Um, but you kind of, you need to have them both having that consistency and, you know, keeping uh, those shots up behind the arc. Cause I feel like they both kind of teetered um, back and forth last year. Uh, for, for me, when I, when I look at Ayala, um, I, I don't say I, we need to rely on your shot to hit the shot from the outside. I think it just needs to be someone. You know, it could be more sale that night. The, the one person who I say, hey, you have to be consistent with your shot is Wiggins because I think that he's going to be relied on offensively. I think guys like Dante, Marcel, uh, Ayala, it's, you know, one or two of those guys hitting shots that night will be okay. When I think about Ayala, I think about the, the generalship, uh, the leadership, um, uh, in certain certain circumstances that happens out on the game, can he get people uh, get the guys under control? Can he can he rein it in for them? Um, those the the leadership part of it is what I'm looking for. Ayala, I think that his court vision is is at another level. I think that when you talk about his shot being inconsistent last year, I think it was games where the minutes were inconsistent as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, this year. I think that's going to be a little bit more defined for him. Uh, it's going to be more consistent. He, he's going to have major minutes. And I think as a result of that, it's a comfort level that comes with knowing that you're going to be playing all of these minutes. And I think as a result of that, he's going to be more consistent from the outside. Um, but for me, it's just about when you get that ball in your hand, do you see the floor? Do you, do you create opportunities for, for your teammates and make the game easier for them? I think he has that type of talent. He's a bigger, a bigger, stronger guard. Not as quick as Cowan, but, but bigger. And so I think he can pose the same type of problems in terms of getting into the paint against those smaller guys and drawing attention. And so the question is going to be, uh, when, when those times happen, is he going to create those easy and open, open opportunities for his teammates? And, and if he can do that on a consistent basis, I think that's going to help the team tremendously. You might not see it in the box score, but I, I, I think that it, the, the thing that I look at when I look at this team and I say, where would they struggle? To me, it's offensively. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I think like deep, what they do on the defensive end and then a guy like Ayala just creating easy opportunities. Just It might just be a simple pick and roll play, but his knowledge and his savviness, uh, the way he plays the game, getting it into the paint and, and, and just being smart and, and drawing guys and creating that, coming into that paint with the mentality of, I'm going to create this easy opportunity. I think those are the type of things that I look for Ayala to bring to the table and, and uh, lift this team to another level. Once again, I think all of them are solid defensive players. Ayala, Marcel is fantastic. I think Wiggins, you know, all of these guys are solid defenders. And, and so uh, that's why I think they're going to go to another level on the defensive end. But offensively is, is going to be the key. And I think Ayala is, is going to be huge in that. Not necessarily him scoring himself, but uh, the, the mentality that he has on the game and, and the creativity uh, that he has to elevate uh, the, the other teammates. I mean, yeah, that's definitely big. And it's I'm interested to see how the ball handling duties go um, because you had kind of – um, and, and and Eric switching there at times last year. Now you bring in two freshmen and Marcus Dockery and a and a Aquan Smart. Um, so it's going to be interesting, kind of how that's handled. Um, I don't know. You know, we haven't seen those guys in practice like we normally would. So it's kind of hard to tell the talent level there and how that's going to work. I don't see either of those guys starting, but I think it'll be interesting how they share ball handling duties in games. Yeah, I, th- I think that you would have had an opportunity. When you're talking about Cowan and Ayala, I mean, both of those guys are point guards. Mm-hmm. So um, the more you keep it out of any one of those guys' hands, I think that you kind of uh, curve their effect on the, on the game. So even though they were the best guard tandem for this team, I think it kind of hurt both of them a little bit because both of them are natural point guards. So then you force one to, to play off the ball, which wasn't probably the strongest suit of either one of their games. So now I think that Eric Ayala will get the opportunity to have the ball in his hand 
uh, all the time now and uh, really be able to show those younger guys how to play the game at this level. The one thing about when you're talking about uh, uh, going from high school to college is the physicality of the game. And you spoke about it earlier about the guys being able to get into the gym and, and work with a guy like Kyle to get, that, to get the necessary girth to be able to handle this physicality. That what they didn't get that opportunity as much as it has been in in the past, and so uh, that kind of gives you a little bit more of a setback. But um, it's going to be more of a, a a learning opportunity to say, okay, what else can I do out here to take my game to another level if I'm not able to able to uh, physically be where I need to be yet? What are the other things? And I think Eric Ayala possessed those those things, those those intangibles of the game. And and um, so it's going to be interesting to see if those younger guys can pick up that that part of the game and be able to bring it to the table uh, immediately. And we keep mentioning the importance of other guys stepping up this season. Um, but specifically from last year to this year, uh, who do you guys see as the most improved player or a player that will improve upon the most? Not necessarily the biggest jump, because obviously Wiggins had a good year last year and we expect him to be even better. But just a player that sort of struggled last year and can improve this year to help the team. Well, I don't think this player struggled, but I think that he's going to make a bigger impact. I think Dante. I think Dante is going to make a bigger impact this year. I think uh, last season he showed that uh, he showed flashes of uh, uh, just being able to uh, being a guy who can take over moments of a game. Uh, he's physical, he's competitive, so he's going to rebound the ball. He's going to be tough out there. But the versatility, being able to shoot the ball from the outside, just having that motor, um, I think that he's a guy that you know m people are not going to pay attention to as much. Uh, early on especially but I think he's a guy he's a sneaky guy he's a guy that can make a, a significant impact especially on the offensive end yeah I think it'll be interesting um how the time um kind of is split between him and Jarius and um that's definitely a guy I see improving but I think for me um I think that Chol Mariel is a guy that you're going to see so much improvement from just because it seems like he's back healthy just from he's what he's worked on over the summer and you know, I really think he has the ability to be a special talent. And I think, you know, even if he takes a little jump and can just be even closer to a player he was in high school and just continue to develop, I think, you know, eventually down the line, he has an opportunity to be a really special player for his program. So, so Matt, who do you kind of see as, as that most improved player? Uh, for me, it's, it's a sophomore, Hakeem Hart. Um, I don't think he got a lot of time last year as a freshman. He did, but he struggled a little bit, was young, played in 18 games. Uh, averaging under two points. But I think this year, just making an, an impressive size upgrade, I think, grew a little bit heavier now, uh, just older, understood, understands now what he has to do. Uh, and I think just getting a bigger role for him uh, could be good for the team. And he's a guy I could see that can make a big improvement and potentially get into the rotation and help the team. Uh, a lot and be a guy that comes off the bench and doesn't have too much pressure on him, but takes the pressure off of a Wiggins and Ayala and Morcel. Uh, so he, he's my most improved. And I think we're going to be surprised by him. Uh, he's my guy this year. Uh, last year was Morcel, but I think to this year it's Hakeem Hart. Just I think he's going to improve and he's going to prove a lot of people wrong from last year. I mean, who do you guys kind of, I guess, who do you guys each see as your, your starting five? I see Ayala, Marcel, Wiggins, uh, Cho. And uh, it's a toss-up between Dante and Jarius, but um, I'm going to say Dante just because um, it just, just wasn't enough time to, to practice. So I think that Dante has a little bit more of an advantage of playing in the system uh, a year ago. So I just give him a little bit of the nod, uh, especially early on. So that'll be my starting five. Yeah, that's actually one that I had as well. <laughs> I think the, the top three, I mean, one, two, and three is pretty much everybody's going to go with that. Ayala, Wiggins, and Marcel. But – when you think about the four, I think that's the toss-up, and the five as well, um, because we really haven't seen Galen Smith play in practice at all. 
we don't know how Choles improved with his injuries and things like that. So I think it's going to be one of those two at the five. And then as well, Dante, I give him the nod, just like Walt said, uh, just because he's been here and he understands the system as well. Uh, but we talked about it earlier, just the early season games that they're going to be flip-flopping the starting five around. They did that last year as well with Lindo getting the nod in the first game. Then Morcel started to start a little bit. Uh, and then you had Ayala and Morcel, or Ayala and Wiggins rather, switching off. And then they finally found Wiggins coming off the bench as their recipe for success. And he was the big 10, six man of the year. So if they are able to find that group of five that produces the best basketball on the, on the floor, um, I think it's going to take a few games, but I think there's a chance that they could find another recipe like they did last year. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about a guy that showed a seven, one or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm giving him the nod right out the gate just on the size alone. So <laughs> I'm looking at Galen Smith. You're going to have to, you know, really outplay him, <laughs> you know, to get that nod over a guy that size, you know, just, just feeling like if he gets a comfort level out there, he can really, you know, really make an impact. And, 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 and you, you see the way it was just short flashes of him playing because of, of injuries last year. But in those short flashes, you can see the way he moves up and down the court. Uh, he doesn't move like a guy that size. He's he's very fluent in his in his run, and so uh, you just hope that yeah he's he's not he's uh, gotten over his injuries, and if, if that's the case, then um, it's just I just see man this guy making a significant impact. And Matt, you mentioned a non-conference schedule. I guess we can kind of end just talking about kind of a schedule, the impact of COVID and COVID and things like that. Um, you know, you definitely have a shortened. Um, non-conference schedule I think the thing that stood out to me is this is um, I think the most non-competitive non-conference schedule that I've seen just in terms of um, their uh, Big Ten ACC uh, challenge team against Clemson is not as strong as the team as they would normally have uh, you don't have the Gavit games this year and I think just the location thing too is you kind of have to schedule a bit more of local opponents and one thing I'm kind of interested to see is how do you go kind of from that sort of schedule to then a really competitive Big Ten? Well when I look at the that, that schedule right there I think that it's uh, something that's necessary especially when you're talking about so many new pieces for this team it's not necessarily the the competition level but the jailing of the team and I think that's the, the biggest the biggest thing that they're trying to accomplish early on in this season. So um, how well they gel together is really going to dictate uh, the rest of the season, not necessarily uh, giving, getting them battle ready so early on. So it depends on the makeup of the team, what type of uh, mindset that you have going into the season. So I think for them it's, it's going to be advantageous to play uh, teams like Old Dominion or so. Um, because uh, it's going to be important to kind of figure out what's the, what's the team that works well together, especially with so many new pieces. Yeah, I sort of I, – I agree with that. I didn't think about it like that at first. Um, when I just look at the non-conference schedule, I think there's really no big win that they could have um, that you usually want, like they had against Marquette last year and Harvard as well. Those are bigger wins than they could have this year. Uh, but in terms of – eight new players out of 15 total on the roster. That's more than half the roster. This is going to give them a chance to mesh, like you said, Walt, and try to find that gel together and try to find that starting group of five that they can put out on the floor and really hone in on who's going to produce uh, early on. And I think that will give them their identity as a team going into the Big Ten schedule. And you're absolutely correct in, in talking about the non-conference games like a, like a Marquette because that gives you an opportunity to, to be ranked, to get ranked or what have you and move up the ladder. But, you know, also being in a conference like the Big Ten, uh, you know, you have those opportunities on a consistent basis based on the teams that's in that conference too. So it's not such a bad thing when you talk about that dynamic or, or that how it ultimately shapes out. And so uh, that's not as big of, uh, of a deal for, uh, you know, especially Big Ten this particular season with uh, so many teams ranked the way they are uh, uh, preseason-wise. And so um, it, it is, though, when you play those teams that, that are uh, pretty good non-conference, non um, that does a world of good for, uh, for you even when you – 
uh, playing against Big Ten competition, that, that great competition, because they think that, oh, you, you're in this tough conference, conference, they beating each other up. When they go outside this conference, this is how well they do. So those type of things factor into when it comes to tournament time and all of those things. So it certainly is a factor, but you have the opportunities to, to get big wins by playing in the uh, Big Ten conference. And, and before we started this, this podcast, we were just kind of talking about uh, the different circumstances for this season. It's definitely going to be strange. I know a ton of programs have already kind of had to fluctuate and get shut down. Um, the Big Ten, I think, in the schedule uh, kind of made some places for, for bye weeks or just not bye weeks, but just different um, games that can be rescheduled and things like that. But just the aspect of having no fans. I mean, Walt, you're a guy who played, you know, in Cole Field House, just a really electric arena. Like, can you imagine all just not playing without fans? And, and how would that impact you as a player? Well, I would tell you what, in, in the Cole Field House, man, um, uh, I could, when the fans would be roaring and cheering, I could feel them, but I couldn't hear them. If you can, if you can mm-hmm. rationale that, and so um, you're just so zoned into the game and and what you have to get done, um, the crowd kind of becomes secondary, you know, and um, so it does have an impact. Um, but I think more importantly that you're zoned into the game and try to accomplish uh, the execution of it all. I know for myself, I always I always liked playing on the road more so than at home. I like the, the crowd being against you and yelling at you, and then you do something to shut them up. I love that part of it more than doing something out there and then the fans cheering for you. So I don't know, a weird guy, I guess, I don't know, but um, I enjoyed that part of it more. So, uh, you know, um, but but just the, the, the raw competition of it all, just to go out there and prove who, who's the better team. I think that's what fueled the guys. So it'll be a weird situation, but I think the the caliber of basketball is still going to be at a very high level. I don't think that that's going to drop off at all. I think that um, if they can survive these few weeks of of not having any big uh, um, 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 people, uh, not a, a big dose of uh, these kids getting uh, uh, acquiring the virus. I think that when you when you have kids starting to leave and go home for the break and things like that, you sort of create a a little makeshift bubble, uh, if you will, uh, for these basketball players. So I, I think that the the time the timing of it all, I think that uh, it, it could be of advantage uh, uh, for the basketball season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're definitely also just going to have need to have energy from that bench, I think will be huge too. Yeah. Um, just in keeping that energy up. But I mean, I guess we can kind of wrap up here. If you guys have kind of any final thoughts on uh, what you're expecting for the season from Ms. Terrapin's team. Yeah, I think that's going to be huge. You make a great point in the bench. Um, even, even when the crowd is there, um, you know, I remember moments of making a great play or doing something out there. The first thing you do is you turn and you look at the, the, the players on that bench, you look at you look at you look at them for their approval more than anyone else. And so, I mean, I, I would imagine that that would be uh, of more importance now because you don't have the extra added uh, um, um, excitement of the fans. So, I, you you make a great point with that. I think the benches are going to be huge and and how they uh, cheer for the guys and 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 keep them uh, enthused out there and and uh, just fired up and ready to go because you do need that that element of it as well. Um, you're, you're out there playing basketball, of course you're competing at a high level, but there's something about the adrenaline uh, that the crea- that the crowd creates for you, and now that part of it's not going to be there. So. I think it's going to be huge in, in the bench and the way they uh, perform when guys are out there on the court and, and, and uh, helping that excitement stay. I think for me, the biggest thing this year is who comes off the bench that can separate themselves from everyone else on the bench as well. Uh, we know the top three guys, maybe the top four, but the guys who are going to come and be in the rotation and contribute that separate themselves is really going to, uh, catapult the team I think um, just you relied on the top two guys last year this year it's going to be more depth uh, in my opinion who's I, I think it'll be more distributive in who's scoring uh, who's passing who's rebounding things like that uh, it won't be so top heavy like Cowan was a scorer Jalen was a scorer 
Jalen was the blocker, Jalen was the rebounder as well, and Anthony was the passer. So this year I think that's a little different. And the guys, even some newcomers coming off the bench, need to separate themselves to get into the rotation. And also when you talk about guys coming into the game, there's, I mentioned it earlier about um, guys, sometimes they perform in practice but don't do the same in games and, and vice versa. I think when you don't have a crowd there, it kind of resembles a, a practice environment. So the pressures of, of people watching and all of those eyes on you is not there. Sometimes that's nerve-wracking for players. So you might see, see uh, players who you might not think that that would be um, somebody who can make an impact. You might see a player uh, that, that surprises you and make an impact because of that element not being there as well. So it can work both ways. Sometimes it'll have guys uh, that help that adrenaline flow and, and take you to another level. But some guys can look at that as, man, it, it makes them more nervous. And so they have more of a comfort level now that it's not so many eyes on them in, inside the arena. So that part of the game is going to be interesting, too, because what, what might happen from that is guys uh, go to another level who you don't expect to do that. Right. And, you know, we've talked about all these factors and, you know, it's definitely just going to be uh, quite the unique season just from, you know, these new players to, you know, the COVID situation to just a competitive, really, really competitive schedule in the Big Ten. Um, you know, thank you all so much for joining us and we will have all of your preseason coverage over at Tessuotimes.com. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. For